Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring some light on your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra, and I am joined today by a super exciting guest, Cami Nelson. So Cami, do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Hi, yes. So this is Cami. Um, a little bit about myself is I am an eating disorder survivor or in recovery, whatever term you like to use. Um I am also a daughter and a sister and a friend. I would like to consider myself an athlete and a mental health advocate. Amazing. So, Cami, what work do you do on your own social media or in your own, I suppose, um, sphere that helps to bring light to eating disorder recovery? I have an Instagram, which is Cami May underscore underscore. And on there, I talk about eating disorder recovery, body image, and mental health with an emphasis on eating disorder recovery. So support, awareness, and then additionally, I have my own podcast, Spilling Lemonade, which is mainly about eating disorders that I started in October of 2021. And then most recently, about a year ago, I started a nonprofit organization based in California, but with members, board members all across the U.S. called The Recovered Project. The Recovered Project is a teen and young adult-led nonprofit organization aiding those in eating disorder recovery and providing communal support. Um, Although we are only a year in, we've done quite a few different things for advocacy as well as just communal support for those with eating disorders. And yeah, that's about it. Amazing. And you have your own lived experience with an eating disorder, Cami, don't you? Yes, I do. And I think that's really important in light of today's topic. So we are going to be drawing upon 10 ways to keep hope alive in eating disorder recovery. And I think this is an incredibly important thing because eating disorder recovery can sometimes feel like it's the longest road ever and hope is is what keeps many things alive. And I, I there's a there's a quote that I really like from Eleanor Roosevelt. I hope I've said the, her surname right, but once said that the most important word in the English language is hope and how powerful hope can be. Hope has the ability to connect us all and we can find hope in many places. So Cami, what has hope meant for you in your own eating disorder recovery journey? Okay, I would say hope for me has been, it meant to keep going, I would say. It was the light when everything was dark. It was a step forward because I didn't always have hope. So I I would say taking the step forward to have hope and to learn how to have hope was a big stepping stone in my recovery. Definitely. And I think finding hope and recovery is believing that there is a way out of the darkness and things will get better. And I think we can often get downhearted when things aren't going completely in a linear process, but it's always remembering that recovery is not a linear process and setbacks will happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're not making progress. And it's incredibly important not to lose hope in that process. So what could you draw upon from your own recovery journey that helped you gain some hope or or hold the hope? One of the first things I'd like to talk about is something I've heard two different therapists tell me. Even though recovery is not linear, it's like all the positives that happen every win you have, those don't get taken away by a lapse or a relapse like you can't really go into the negative like if it's a coin jar you can only add positives you can only add every time you take a step forward that's a step forward and you can't like take the coins out if that I don't know if that makes any sense I don't say it as well as they did but that even when I have lapses that never took away 
from all the times I took steps forward and that I can only go forward, like thinking that no matter what, I can only go forward, giving hope that all those little steps we're going to keep adding up in the coin drawer. Definitely. It's like if you haven't ridden a bicycle for a long time, you'll never learn or lose the ability to ride that bicycle. Just because you've got off for a while doesn't mean you can, can't get back on and continue in that process. And I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's like you've had all of these experiences. You've done the recovery already. Just because you've kind of had a little setback doesn't mean that anyone can take away what you've already done. And it's adding on to what you've already done in in a better way. And I always think, and I, I always um, talk about the, the statement post-traumatic growth rather than post-traumatic trauma. And growth comes can come from traumatic experiences. It's always thinking of the silver linings. And, and obviously no one should aim to have a relapse or a lapse, but sometimes these things are inevitable and more often than not in recovery, it is quite likely that you will have a lapse, but it's thinking, what can I actually gain from this? And can this springboard me further into recovery? And I, I always think that a lapse will teach us things. And so we can move forward in a positive direction. In talking about that, and my own tip for finding hope was sometimes you have to look for that hope which sounds bizarre, but you know, you have to search for the hope to find it. I think too often people get caught up in that negative stories with the news or with treatment providers, you know, being all doom and gloom. But when you obsessively focus on the negative or what's not going right in your eating sort of recovery process, like in the lapses, you can start to like put out all of that hope that is innately within you. Because as human beings, we are born to hold hope because life is a process and and we don't know the destination that we're going to get to but we hold on to hope that it's going to be a good one so i think if we as individuals are in your own eating disorder recovery journey start to look for the small successes the small moments of connection the small glimmers of hope and the quiet times to listen to your true self and and those are like the seeds of hope and healing which will never to be grow and i don't know about you but my dad, when I was poorly when a long time ago, always used to say, what you put your attention on grows. And I love that quote because it's it's basically thinking, if you put your attention on the negative, more often than not, that will grow within you. And if you put your attention on hope and healing, that can only flourish and grow. You know, that doesn't mean that there won't be any negative times anymore, but it definitely will mean that you have more possibility of, of gaining that hope. What what do you think about that, Cami? I absolutely agree. There's this little story that I learned in English class last year about two bears. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's about, like, there's two bears and there's a little boy. And the one of the bears is negativity, and he's this evil monster, and he's just awful. And the other one is this really positive, he's a fighter, he is strong. And the little boy is like, which bear is going to win? They're in a battle. And the story ends with his dad saying, whichever bear you feed. And basically the point of the story is to say, whatever bear inside of you, I guess, as like an analogy, you feed is going to be the one that wins. Kind of how you're saying, like, if you search for the positivity, if you keep feeding the positivity, the hope, then that's the bear that's going to win. So with that, I kind of wanted to go into my next tip, I guess, which would be like confirmation bias a little bit. One thing I learned is 
if someone made 10 comments towards me and nine of them were, good job, great job, you know, way to keep going, and one was negative, in the past I definitely would have, the negative would have been my truth. And I think one part of finding hope is not listening to confirmation bias. If you'd already have it in your head that there's no hope and one thing confirms that, then you're going to listen to that. So I think it's to actively choose to go against confirmation bias and listen to the 9 out of 10 comments that are proving that there will be hope and going against that innate thing in our brains that says, no, no, no. Like, I have to listen. I already think there's no hope. So someone said there's no hope. There's no hope. I guess that goes along with your lines of, you know, you have to choose to look for it. Definitely. I think that is an additional, additional tip of finding hope is that actually, you know, not letting that one negative comment take you off your track. Because more often than not, that that goes with one of the, my previous episodes, cognitive distortions or negative thinking is actually many of us as humans, we can focus on the negative. But actually by focusing on the positive and all those positive things that are happening, it can help us keep the hope alive. And I suppose something to add to that, and that that will be my next tip, number four is actually keeping track of your successes. Now, as individuals, as humans, we can sometimes be very hard on ourselves and actually not look back and think, what did we actually achieve? What did I actually do to get me to this point? So something that I ask my clients to do within my within my private coaching practice is I always ask them to reflect and note down how far they've come in their recovery from disordered eating behaviors. So you might have greater, you know, gains to make, but every step forward is a positive in building that healthier body image, self-esteem and lifestyle. So by keeping note of them, of every win, you know, writing them down on post-it notes, put them on the wall. I always recommend people have something visual, have something that they can hold on to that will give them hope to know that actually maybe six weeks ago, they couldn't pass a mirror without looking at it, for example, but now they don't have to, you know, do that. So it's thinking actually drawing upon the things that they've done because we can often forget how far we have come. So by tracking our successes, it can help us keep hope that we are going in the right direction. I absolutely love that tip. That's something I did in my own recovery way back when is I I remember I had this moment where I was like, oh, I feel like I have, you know, so far to go. Like I can't even see the end of the road. But when I look at where I started, I can barely see that point either. Like it baffled me how far I had come and I never thought about that. I had like a bullet journal, which is just basically like a journal you make up as you go. And every day I would just write one win, no matter how small it was. And then I'd look back at it like two months later and I'd be like, whoa, like that was huge for me two months ago. And now I do that every day. That's like pretty cool. And so I definitely feel like tracking your successes is a way to find hope because it's a measurable thing that you can see when you're in one of those darker spaces where it's kind of distorted and harder to remember all the positives. So I love that tip. Kind of moving on to tip number five. This one is not at all related to the other ones, but I feel like something that helped me was having like a physical object that I associated with hope. So yeah, transitional my- objects and it's yes. something that, yeah, 100%. So part of my story was that I was a volleyball player. That was like a big part of my passion. And that was something that my eating disorder had taken away from me. 
And at the turning point in my recovery, which for me happened in a residential treatment facility, my therapist said, okay, here's a volleyball. I don't know where she got it from, but anyway, she was like, here's a volleyball. Bring it with you everywhere. Just like bring it with you when you go to group, bring it with you when you go to session, bring it with you when you go to bed, have it next to you on your pillow. Like just bring the volleyball with you everywhere. And at first I didn't get it, but it was a reminder of like a goal but also something that brought me so much hope in life. There was something that brought me joy and joy I associated with hope. And so having that object with me at all times was like, it brought me a lot of hope that one day I would become a volleyball player again. Yeah, I love transitional objects. They can be many different things. And I think for me also transitional objects can be something that gives us a sense of comfort. So a lot of the time we think of babies with their their dummies or a blanket or a teddy that gives us them a, a sense of comfort and warmth. And I find that even something you know, small like a crystal or a photo or a locket, something that we can hold, something that has meaning for us can give us a sense of hope because you're like, yep, this is why I'm doing this. For me, I didn't really have a transitional object. I was quite young, but I got a, a flower tattoo on my wrist. And the reason that I did that was because every time that I, I looked at my hand to go to eat, it reminded me that, you know, I needed to grow like a flower. And, and it really just gave me that visual reminder that there was something that I was working towards, that there was that light at the end of the tunnel that everyone was telling me that was going to come, but I didn't truly believe at that point. So I think transitional objects can be incredibly helpful in so many different aspects. But for me, like the main is for that recovery and that hope. And I remembered a a, a quote actually from Brené Brown. I, I love Brené Brown, but she said, hope is not a way of feeling hope is a way of thinking and it's 100% teachable and you might be thinking like well how do I teach hope but essentially to break it down there are three parts of hope as a thought process so you have number one a goal like for your instance maybe going back and playing volleyball was your goal Number two is resilience. So your own self-strength, your own fire that's going to help you get to that goal. And number three is self-belief. Hope might sound like I want to recover from my eating disorder. I know it will be difficult and it will take perseverance, grit, flexibility, and even some creativity, but I can believe I can do it. So if you are feeling hopeless, and this is a little, you know, intertwining segment, you know, I'd recommend that you either work with, you know, your treatment team or a, or a close friend or family member of making small, actionable behavioral goals that are realistic and timely because it can help you hold on to that hope because you know you're going somewhere. I love that. I definitely think having um, one thing, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, they're called like SMART goals. It's like... Yeah. Yes, I love, um, I can't remember the acronym exactly, but I know it's like measurable. SMART is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. 100% use them. I use them for all my clients for recovery. Um, And I think that's maybe tip number six is actually create some SMART goals for yourself. And I don't know if you've done that for your own recovery, Cammie. Yes, I actually... Um, learn smart goals and treatment from my recovery. My therapist had emailed me this like paper. Then you can just find these templates online. Most of the time, if you search like smart goal outline, and I would make at every session like three smart goals for the week. So it was very like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Um, very specific, and then it would be, how am I gonna measure it? I'm not just gonna be like, I'm gonna do better. You can't really necessarily actively measure doing better. So I'd be like, okay, I, I'm gonna defeat one fear food. Um, and the time I'd say like 
by next session or you know this is how I'm gonna do it and I'm very specific and I feel like that was something that really helped me it also kind of created a plan for the goal a little bit rather than just kind of throwing out a hope or not a hope but like a oh I hope this happens like it was something that I was like no this will happen um, keeping yourself accountable to yes, that goal absolutely kind of we've not really drawn upon this for our tips yet but the next tip would be getting support groups so s surrounding yourself with other people if possible because groups foster hope as individuals we do thrive in social situations I think that's why COVID was so hard for many people was because of that lack of social support and especially in eating disorder recovery eating disorders thrive in isolation so when you don't have any social support, it's like, well, the eating disorder takes control. It's like, this is this is all I have now. And I think eating disorder recovery groups can be cathartic, healing, and a source of connection and hope for many. Especially for myself, it was kind of a lifeline in, in my recovery for my everyday life. Being in, involved in a group of like-minded people, I think when it was managed right I think there is definitely can be negative drawbacks from recovery groups when it's not managed properly and comparison is bred but when it's managed properly it can really aid problem solving and offer support in setbacks and, and really give that sense of hope I don't know if you've been involved in any recovery groups absolutely so I've been in various levels of treatment most of which I've attended a recovery group either if it was inpatient treatment, so like residential, there was groups you went to every day, or even outpatient, I found ways to attend online support groups. My recovery mainly happened during COVID, so they were mostly online during that level of care. But I remember one thing kind of drawing from what we're talking about is I met this person in treatment at a group, and they, they were the, they gave me hope. Like seeing their story gave my story hope. And I think that's one of the really good benefits of like group therapy as we were talking about as a group of people struggling it's like I was like they had very similar struggles as me and I saw that they overcame I remember one thing very specific is something a doctor had said to me that was basically along the lines of like I don't believe you'll recover and in my mind I was like medical professional they're automatically correct and this person they had had a doctor say the same thing and there they were you know about to leave they were doing great and it was like hope that I was like, it's been done before. So who's to say Definitely. I won't do it too? Definitely. And I think, and this is a thing which as much as in one of my next tips and tip number eight is, is a tip and also a drawback. So get a treatment team if possible. And not everyone can. And, you know, I do want to make you aware that, you know, if you don't have a treatment team, you're no less valid than anyone else. But if possible, do have somebody that can give you guidance in your recovery because treatment teams can often be crucial to creating hope, but they can also be a drawback. Like you said, doctors losing hope in you, medical professionals saying you might not recover from your eating disorder can be a big sticker for you but if you have the right people and even like a really good coach or therapist you know I work with many clients and that kind of coach and client relationship is that accountability it signifies a small part of you has hope because you're turning up to the, the appointments you're showing your face you're trying and you know your hope and recovery commitment is strengthened every time you demonstrate the discipline of attending um, a treatment team appointment or a therapy or a coaching appointment 
All I'd say is choose your treatment team wisely and learn to trust in them and trust in the recovery process. I think that can help you hold hope because when we lose trust in others, we lose trust in ourselves. So, you know, tip number eight is choose a treatment team, but choose them carefully and wisely if possible. I absolutely agree with that. As someone who's had some amazing people on my treatment team, and also some people who have been very detrimental to my recovery. I would just like to add to that kind of what you said to choose it wisely, you know, with you, your support system, if you have one, to do some research to really get the, you know, know that you have no obligation to assuming that, you know, you have free autonomy to stay with them if they're harming your recovery and to be willing to work to find the correct fit because different things are going to work for different people. Also kind of a totally like different train but I thought of a tip number nine that I would really like to share and that is to create opportunities for hope so I've done this with joy a lot in the past as well creating opportunities of joy but one thing that really worked for me in my own recovery and I've seen work for others in their recoveries is not always opportunities for hope aren't always necessarily going to be handed to you sometimes you have to go and create the opportunities yourself Example, so when I started my podcast, I wouldn't have considered myself like fully recovered. I don't really like labels, but I was definitely in the later stages of recovery. But I remember thinking like I needed an opportunity for hope in my life. I had just torn my ACL, which eliminated sports, which was a big part of my life. And so I thought I'm going to create an opportunity. So the podcast wasn't, you know, someone wasn't like, here, here's a podcast. Do it. It's going to be fun. That's just one example kind of of like, I needed hope in my life to see that there was going to be like, I got to talk to all these amazing people because of it. And I'm not saying create a podcast because it's not the right fit for everyone. But if opportunities aren't being given to you that give you hope, knowing that you can make them yourself. You know, if someone's not saying, oh, please recover, you have to recover like right now, you can still make that choice. No, I have hope. I'm going to recover. And I think that was something that was really big in my recovery. Definitely. I think it's finding something that gives you purpose. And that's another episode that I'll probably do is finding purpose and how to find, find something that will give you that light. But I think sometimes by if we lose purpose, especially if you're having to take time off, you know, your normal activities because of your recovery, it can mean that you don't have anything else to focus on. But if you make your own purpose, be that something that's a passion project. Or for me, when I was in my recovery, I got really into stitching. I made dresses. I sold things at craft fairs because it gave me a source of hope and purpose. And I was giving something back. So I think that's a really, a really, really good tip is kind of that positive distraction in a way. And I suppose the last tip that I will think about um, and we'll talk about today, I mean, there's, there is so many, but it's forgiveness. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. It's an important aspect also in being able to recover. Forgive yourself, forgive others and get on with the business of living a fulfilling and beautiful life. I think we can hold on to many grudges of others and ourselves. For instance, like you could forgive yourself for restrictive eating setback that you've had recently or or forgiving somebody who's made a rude or inappropriate comment about your eating disorder. Forgiveness is learning self-compassion within yourself and with others instead of deflecting that negativity inwards or outwards or using your eating disorder to cope. Instead, you can hold on to hope and actually like let things go. And I think that is a really important aspect of hope is actually thinking, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to forgive myself. This is a journey. And 
thinking hope is a wonderful thing through hope you can recover and through hope you can inspire and through hope you can heal so I feel like that would be my last point of of the tips that we've discussed I don't know if you want to add anything to that Cammie yeah I think forgiveness is extremely powerful as you said I think there is definitely a correlation between hope and forgiveness it shows for me at least my forgiveness especially when I forgave things that were like really difficult for me to forgive for example the doctor I talked about for saying that it showed me that I can do hard things which was really important in my recovery knowing that I could do hard things so I think that all kind of correlated to more hope okay I can do this I can do this as well and if it's okay I wanted to add one little bonus tip something I'd wanted to say is to find things that inspire you and give you hope so for example like literature there was a book I read Untamed by Glennon Doyle that absolutely gave me the most amount of hope or finding a podcast such as recover to flourish or something in the media something a book a podcast whatever it may be a song whatever it may be something like that that gives you hope I think can also be really helpful definitely I think there is so many things that can help us seek hope and the main things are source of connection don't lose hope in yourself and reach out to others if you're struggling. Um, that connection can really help us gain hope. And also laughing. That's another bonus tip. Laughing reminds us that we're alive and that, you know, we have got so many enjoyable moments to to come and to experience. So thank you so much for listening to this episode as always I'm going to answer one question so in every episode I invite people to submit questions onto my website so for this one it's a little bit of an unusual one and it's how to stop chewing gum and eating disorder recovery now you might be like this is not something that I've done this is not something I do but if it's relevant to you then we can we can talk through that so a lot of the times if somebody is developing or has developed a restrictive eating disorder, one can often replace it with non-nutritional value foods, be that diet soda or things that also help to manage stress. So a lot of the time people excessively chew gum as a a stress reliever. So what I would say of breaking the habit of chewing gum is number one, understand why you're doing that. If you're doing it to replace food, the first thing is understand that you are restricting and you should be working with the treatment professional to develop a healthy relationship with food. So seeking support, um, be that a therapist or a dietitian, but also un- identifying the triggers. So try to identify the situations that make you want to chew gum more. So that could be stress, anxiety, boredom, um, loneliness, etc. And once you know your triggers, you can start to plan healthy distractions with other activities, such as reading a book or speaking with a friend or listening to music. A lot of the time we have coping mechanisms that aren't necessarily healthy and over chewing gum can really mess with our digestive systems and also um, reduce the ability of us having a, a balanced and adequate diet. So it's useful to identify it within yourself, but also work with a treatment team. So whoever submitted that I hope that's helpful and as always I do invite you to um, submit a question to my podcast either you can email me at info at flourishwithkeandra.com or go onto my website on the podcast tab there is a form where you can submit your question so yes I do answer one question a week but ending this episode now I want to thank you Cammy, um, for 
for coming on and giving me your own advice about how to find hope in recovery and drawing drawing upon your own you know your own recovery journey have you got anything else that you'd like to add yeah so first of all I just wanted to say thank you I'm like so honored to be on this podcast and it was such a pleasure getting to talk to you um such a blessing so thank you and just one thing I wanted to add like a little thing is that there's always hope and that there, there was always hope in your recovery no matter what you might just have to find it but everyone has hope everyone can find it even if it's hard so thank you Thank you so much. And I will leave Cammy's details in the show notes and my own details so you know where to find us. But as always, thank you so much for tuning into the Recover to Flourish podcast. You know where I am if you need me and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.